0: Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I'm Michael J. Sutton and this is episode 102 in our series Freedom from Fear. Freedom Matters Today looks at freedom from a Christian perspective. We are non-sectarian and uh, non-political. Today, part two of signs of spiritual sickness. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, For we we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We do not wrestle against people. We do, however, wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Before we focus on the unseen enemies, let us chart their effects or their symptoms on the life of a Christian Christian. Or a group of Christians. The first two we looked at yesterday, and they concern the nature of righteousness and the truth about Jesus. And they are the two things that first two symptoms which appear uh, as evidence of an attack uh, by these spiritual um, forms of wickedness in high places. Today, the last few. The third symptom concerns the nature of the good news of God's grace, Ephesians 6.15. It is when Christians stop talking about the good news of the gospel, the good news of God's grace concerning Jesus Christ and salvation, and they start talking about something else. Paul characterizes the gospel or the good news as being a message of peace, peace with God. This is what The message of God is all about because the Bible is about God. The Bible is about who God is and how God might be known. And the message of the gospel is one of peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no message greater. There is no other message other than that message to know God and to make God known. But do you hear this every Sunday? Well, of course not. The focus these days is morality or personal holiness, or the prosperity gospel, or the culture war, or the end times, or revelation, or America, or demons, and so on. But the fourth symptom concerns the gnawing growth or cynicism and unbelief, which is perhaps the worst sign of a soul sick, spiritually. Ephesians 6, verse 16. There is nothing worse than someone who has drawn near to God and then drawn back for some reason. The churches are full of these people, and so are religious schools in particular and seminaries. Many people go to religious schools, that's private schools or church schools. They are fed a diet of a superficial Christian, inverted commas, education. They are introduced to Christianity, but they don't see it lived out. They don't see it confirmed in the lives of others. Uh, And so they reject uh, Christianity, they reject Christ, and they draw back. And often is the case with many uh, Christian families. the parents might go to church on Sunday, but what they hear on Sunday and what they see in the lives of their parents or or their, their siblings is completely different. And so they realize or they accept the basic hypocrisy and the superficial nonsense of religious affirmation. There's nothing worse, nothing sadder than those who have tasted the things of God and then have drawn back. And this is described by the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. It is impossible. It's impossible. For those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. The author is writing of Jewish people before AD 70, which is when it was written because it contains no admission of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which occurred at that time. So the letter to the Hebrews was written before the fall of Jerusalem. And he is writing of Jewish people, who sought to find the Messiah in Christ uh, for a time, but they turned away and they saw at the cross of Christ only shame and ignominy, seeking then to return to the old covenant with God based on the law and sacrifices. But the law and sacrifices had been overturned by Christ and his death on the cross. It was now obsolete, While the original context has been lost, these verses still apply to so many who bathe themselves in the privileges of faith, but ultimately live in unbelief and return to Sinai and self-effort. And this is what many, many, many people who go to church end up doing and the lifestyle they end up emulating. What happens is that they reject the Saviour on the cross, they reject the grace of God, they reject the mercy of God. They reject the suffering Saviour dying for us in our place, in our stead, and it means nothing to them. But they go back to the temple at Jerusalem, and they seek God's forgiveness through the law of Moses. This is where most Christians end up, not at Golgotha and God's grace, but Sinai and the untouchable mountain, a place of despair and sadness and inflexible holiness. In many ways, it's not their fault as so many Christian ministers preach Moses more convincingly than they preach faith in Christ. The fifth symptom concerns the erosion of assurance of salvation or a crumbling confidence in the promises of God concerning what God has promised us in Christ, Ephesians 6, verse 17. So many Christians today languish with this illness. They feel their guilt and their sin and they never feel forgiven. They never accept their position before God and they never find peace. And this is something that they take to their grave, this unrelenting sense of unworthiness even to receive the grace and mercy of God. Others can be forgiven but I can't be because what I've done or who I am is is so bad, is so evil and God will never forgive me though he may forgive others. That's their thinking. But it's not surprising since the Orthodox and the Roman Catholics don't preach the gospel and they're not interested in ending guilt and shame because with the assurance of salvation their money will dry up and their power over people will end. So it's not surprising that these denominations and many like it are not interested in telling people that the death of Christ brings them freedom from guilt and shame. The final symptom is, in my mind, the one most at risk today, and that is misunderstanding the identity and the role of the Holy Spirit. This is seen in the erosion of the confidence of our confidence in the Bible as God's word. Many Christians do not have a problem with the Bible. They claim that its every word is infallible and inerrant, and yet they are dissatisfied with it spending much of their time speculating on questions the Bible does not pose or finding answers to questions the Bible does not ask. It is this symptom that Paul seeks strongly to address in Ephesians 6.12. What is he talking about and what is he careful to avoid? Sadly, many Christians love the Bible, but they are deeply impatient and unhappy with what they see as incomplete answers to the questions they ask. And this illness drives them to seek solace online in the warm embrace of men and women who make everything up as they go along, making a fortune and laughing all the way to the bank. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom from Fear.